0: everybody, and welcome to the 2021 edition of Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast Hangout in the Holy Land. We're doing things a bit differently this year, as this is usually just an in-season podcast, but this year we'll be coming at you once a week throughout the off-season to keep you updated on all things Ohio State. If you listened to the podcast last year, you'll likely remember my voice. I am your host, Gene Ross, and joining me are my two new co-hosts, Josh Dooley, who is a new addition to Grand Holy Land Family, and Justin Golba, who if you've been following the site for a while, you may remember from back in the day. So Josh, the new hire, I'll start with you. How you doing, man? Welcome to the team, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Um, Columbus, Ohio, born and raised. I am an Ohio State grad and alum. and a super fan. I'm just excited to do this and uh, excited to work with you guys.
0: All righty. And Justin, you've been uh, you've been around the block once or twice so far, and you're now back with us. So how are you doing?
2: Good, man. Good. Very excited to be back. Uh, I'm not from Columbus. I'm from Washington, D.C., but growing up with a father who went to Ohio State, I feel like I'm about
0: as close to us from Columbus as you can be. That sounds good to me, man. So it'll likely be the three of us in your years all offseason long. There may be some episodes where it's just two of us as, you know, scheduling conflicts and whatnot comes up. But uh, for the most part, it'll be us three, and every week we'll be covering the biggest topics uh, around Ohio State and everything Buckeye Nation. And obviously this week... The biggest news right now is the aftermath of the 2021 NFL draft. That saw 10 Buckeyes selected, which was tied for the most of any school with Alabama. And obviously, none were bigger than the selection of Justin Fields at number 11 to the Chicago Bears. There had been a bunch of rampant speculation all offseason about the fall of Justin Fields down the draft boards. As, you know, by all measures, I think he should have been the number 2 quarterback taken in the draft behind only Trevor Lawrence. But he also wound up behind Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. And I think, you know, speaking for myself, but I think most of Buckeye Nation, I think we were just ready for the draft to just come to an end just so we could finally— end of the discourse that was just dragging Justin Fields down for no reason and it was exciting to see him go to the Bears at number 11 they traded up with the Giants and they traded a pretty they paid a pretty heavy price to get him so I wanted to get you guys thoughts on uh Justin Fields going to the Bears Justin we'll start with you what did you think of where he went what do you think of his situation going there and just a general uh Justin Fields being a Chicago Bear
2: yeah I'm with I'm with Eugene I can't believe that he he wasn't the number two overall pick especially when you look at Trey Lance, he played, he had a great season 2019, but he played one game last year and he struggled in that game. Um, I do think he's a good quarterback, but in Zach Wilson, um, yeah, I just, I think his ceiling is very evident. I don't think that he's someone who is going to, especially the Jets who they just don't have anybody there. Um, it's hard to see him doing anything more than what Darnold did. Um, so, you know, looking at Justin Fields to the Bears, I think it's a perfect situation for him. I think he should be, you know, outside of the possible money that he lost in his rookie contract. He he went to a great situation. You have a fantastic defense. You have a true number one receiver in Allen Robinson. You have a back in David Montgomery, who has only looked better and better with time. Um, you know, as long as he can get on the same page as Matt Nagy, I think it's a fantastic situation for him. And I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less than, Seeing them, especially with the AFC North and or the NFC North, excuse me, being so up in the air right now, uh, I wouldn't I would expect to see them in the playoffs this year.
0: Yeah, and I agree with the Zach Wilson take that it it feels kind of like a lateral move going from Darnold to, to Wilson, especially with the the lack of weapons around there. Josh, what do you think of uh, Fields on the Bears?
1: Yeah, so I think we're three for three as far as thinking that Fields probably went a little bit later than he should have, or a lot later than he should have. You know, I had him number two as well behind Trevor Lawrence. Really, he could have been one B. In my opinion, I think he had the the resume over the other guys, and I think he pops on film, too. So I'm really su- I'm not surprised, but I- I'm dubious that he's not going to be, like I said, one B or number two behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, like Justin said, I think he's got some weapons, which is good. I think Alan Robinson's a great receiver. David Montgomery, he flashed when it mattered most the fantasy football playoffs. And Cole Komet is something. We'll see what what he's going to be there in Chicago. But one concern I have for him is the offensive line. Not a lot of names, not a lot of pro bowlers on that line. So that sort of concerns me. And just the fact that the Bears offense has been not what it's been built to be the last couple of years under Nagy, but he does have a good pedigree. And so I'm really excited. He's staying here in the Midwest. Uh, For somebody like myself, he's a six-hour drive maybe go catch a game with Fields. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. And I think he's going to prove the doubters wrong for sure.
0: Yeah, and I I think the Bears are pretty clearly excited about Justin Fields. I don't know if you've taken a look at their social media pages these days. Pretty much every post has Justin Fields' face in it. So they're clearly pretty excited up there. I I agree with you said about the offensive line. They did take two offensive linemen in this draft, one in the second round and one in the sixth round. I'm sorry, one second round, one in the fifth round. And I would have liked to see them maybe get another weapon. They did get Daz Newsom out of UNC in the sixth round, who is a kind of, you know, potentially high upside guy in that wide receiver core. But they do have Allen Robinson. They do have some other receiving options. So I'm not too worried about him there. And, you know, despite what their front office claims, I do think he'll be the day one starter over Andy Dalton. Uh, but now, as we previously mentioned, you know, there were, there were nine other Buckeyes selected in this year's NFL draft. Uh, some in the earlier rounds, some in the late. It's actually the same amount of uh, players that were drafted in last year's Ohio State NFL draft class. Um, So, Josh, we'll start with you. Outside of Justin Fields, who do you think landed in the best situation or was one of your more favorite picks of all the other Buckeyes taken this year?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with probably uh, not a sexy pick per se, but I think Wyatt Davis going 86th overall to Minnesota is a really good situation for him. You know, they traded up in the first round to also take Christian Darisol, So they're bringing in, they're infusing some new talent into that offensive line. I don't think that they have an established star or starter to where Wyatt Davis can't go in and earn a job. Uh, They do have Ezra Cleveland they drafted, and they've tried to convert him to a guard. PFF has kind of put him very low as far as rankings and ratings go. So I think he's got a really good opportunity to come in and start. And if you look at the team around him, he gets to block for Dalvin Cook. He gets to play with Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith. So on paper, they have a really exciting offense, and they put up a lot of points last year. And lastly, I think that he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Uh, as of last year, even uh, Wyatt Davis could have potentially been a first-rounder. Even this year, people thought he could have gone second, and he slid all the way to the third. So I think Wyatt Davis could be one of those guys that it's not a skill player uh, it's not a sexy position, like I said, but I think that he could be one of those guys that has an 8, 10, 12-year career and makes a handful of Pro Bowls.
0: Yeah, I was a bit surprised with how far Wyatt Davis fell as well. I thought for sure, like, you know, especially going into the season, he was pegged as like a late first round guy. And then as the season went on, he kind of, he didn't he didn't play bad, but he didn't play as well as he did the year prior. And I thought for sure he'd be like an early second, mid second round pick. And he wound to, like you said, fall into the third. So that was a bit surprising. Justin, what about you? Who really stood out to you?
2: There are two that stuff to me specifically, and the first one might be a little bit of the, the fan in me talking, but I like Tommy to the Browns. I really thought that was something, you know, he has so many guys around him on the defense now with Clowney and Miles Garrett uh, that he can really learn from. And, you know, the raw talent we all seen is there from him. We just need a little more of the fundamentals and whatnot. And um, I really think that he's, he's not only in a good situation with the Browns, which is a funny thing to say in his own right, But, um, you know, I think that he kind of fell into their lap, which is something that um, happened to the Browns a couple of times in this draft. And uh, I think that he went a little later than I thought, but I think he's in a good situation to where he can play early and also learn without that pressure of being a first or second round pick. Like we're going to see with a guy like fields. Um, And the other one, talk about Buckeyes falling, uh, Sean Wade, you know, to the fifth, fifth round to the Ravens. I mean, there's no such thing as, If you want to be in a good situation, you go to the Ravens. It's just that simple there. They have the most set front office. They have the guys that they need to have to to make playoff runs every single year. The coach and the coaching staff is consistent. Um, You know, he's going to be able to play. uh, He's going to be able to play that kind of hybrid that he likes to play that we saw him play in 2019 where he was, you know, first round draft pick. I don't think they're going to have him on the outside too much where he got exposed a little bit last year. Um, and I think he's going to be in a much better situation and they have a good defense for him to learn from, especially in that secondary with guys like Marlon Humphreys and Marcus Peters. So definitely I, I like where Sean Wade went and I think he's going to make an impact early for them.
0: Yeah, I definitely I had written down, you know, Tommy Togia as well. Big Tom heading up to Cleveland. I'm sure a lot of, you know, a large percentage of Ohio State fans are also Browns fans. So I imagine a lot of people are happy to see him go there. And like you said, lining him up next to Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney up there is going to be a really scary defensive line for opposing offenses I thought Ohio State really missed his presence again out against Alabama when he had to sit out for you know COVID-19 related stuff and I think they could have stopped Najee Harris in that Bama run game a little better had he been there and he'll I think he's gonna have a, a really good NFL career especially for where he was drafted so just running through you know some of the other players that went In this year's draft, in case you're not fully caught up, uh, obviously you had Fields at 11 to the Bears. Uh, In the second round, you had Pete Werner go to the Saints at 60 overall. You had Josh Myers at 62 overall in the second round to the Packers. He's going to replace his uh, incumbent former Buckeye, uh, Corey Lindsley, over there. Uh, You had Wyatt Davis at, at third round, 86 overall to the Vikings. Uh, Trey Sermon at 3rd round, 88 overall to the 49ers. Baron Browning in the 3rd round, 105 overall to the Broncos. Togiai at 132 to the Browns. Luke Farrell going to uh, meet up with Urban Meyer, who recruited him in Jacksonville in the 5th round at 145. Sean Wade at 160 in the 5th round to the Baltimore Ravens. And finally, Jonathan Cooper at 239 in the 7th round. And so like I said, you know, two years in a row, Ohio State's had 10 Ten players drafted. Some of these, you know, a little later than last year. You had a lot of big names in last year's draft with, uh, you know, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, and all those guys. But another successful draft for Ohio State. Was there any other um, fun, little quirky related draft stories that really caught you guys' eye? One of my favorite uh, things that happened in this year's draft, specifically with Ohio State, was people thinking that Luke Farrell was 29 years old for a little stretch of time. Because (laughs) if you look up Luke Farrell on the internet, his picture comes up next to what what the wikipedia page of an mlb pitcher by the same name who is 29 years old so luke farrell himself tweeted i think it was on sunday that you know he just tweeted the words i am 23 years old and then mark pantoni like tweeted back at him with the picture of his face next to 29 and it just said the internet doesn't lie so i thought that was a pretty funny story do you guys have anything uh that really caught your eye like that josh or justin uh let's start with josh you know it could be could be funny could be you know heartwarming something like that just fun draft stories
1: Yeah, you know, if we're stepping outside of the Ohio State realm, although I'll backtrack a little bit. I think Trey Sermon um, was one that I kind of – I would have liked to have seen him go go somewhere else. San Francisco constantly uses a stable of backs, and they even took another one later in the sixth round. They took a guy out of Louisiana, I think. His name's Eli Mitchell, and a lot of people picked him as a sleeper. So I wanted Trevor – or Trey, I'm sorry – to. Go somewhere where he may have more reps and more of an opportunity, but um, yeah, again, get out of that Ohio State realm. The Raiders always cracked me up, man. The Raiders are gonna Raider year after year. They go completely off the board with one of their early picks. Two years ago, it was Cleveland Farrell. Last year, it was Damon Arnett, and this year they they took Alex Leatherwood 17th overall. He was projected to be a second round pick, so. The Raiders are going to Raider, like I said, always going off the off the board. And outside of that, it, maybe you guys will have something to say about this as well. The presentation, I watched a lot of ESPN, but the presentation was out of control. Uh, the National Anthem with Nancy Wilson was less than stellar. Uh, looked like about a half of a Kings of Leon concert before the first pick. So those were a couple of things that jumped out to me and just – I sort of got a laugh out of both of those things.
0: Yeah, I could have done without the whole Goodell chair thing. I think he thinks he's, you know, funnier than he was, but I don't, I don't know if you guys like the Goodell. I understood, like, you know, the call back to last year where he was in his, in his basement, but it was like, you know, come on, it was a little trying too hard there to be funny. Absolutely. <laughs> Justin, were there any uh, any any stories, any guys drafted or anything that happened during the draft that, caught your eye, maybe, you know, Ohio State-related or not?
2: Uh, well, first of all, it seemed like the entire draft room backstage was just Alabama players. I think they were the only guys that went because uh, every time one of them got drafted, they all just kind of came out and like converged and hugged each other. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then you just – you know, I know that as Ohio State fans, we don't love Clemson, but it is just hysterical to watch the way Trevor Lords kind of goes about his day-to-day basis. The dude was just drafted number one overall, and when they showed his family, his family was going crazy, and he was just sitting there clapping. Um, I think he just – he just really just has a – uh kind of carefree attitude about life that I really enjoy to watch, honestly. And um, you know, when he was talking, he was like photo, he was photo bombing Marty Smith when he was giving his report from his house and stuff. And it just seemed like he had just got like a B plus on a test and just get drafted first overall. And then in the NFL draft. So um, he's, he's someone that is just always kind of fun to watch and, uh, see how he goes about his day-to-day life because he just does it in a, in a way that I've never really seen before, honestly, from a guy of that kind of stature.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably a bit easier to kind of take that all in when you've been told since like you were a senior in high school that you're going to be number one pick in the NFL draft. But I do agree <laughs> with you saying he's very he's very nonchalant about all that. And, you know, uh, on top of the things you guys have said, I obviously, you know, I don't want to give any credit to, you know, a Michigan man, but I thought Quiddy Pays uh draft story with him and his mom was one of the more like heartwarming stories of the draft. He also had this pretty cool like Black Panther-esque like thing around his neck on his suit, which I thought was cool. So, you know, I, I'm not gonna give many shout-outs to Michigan men on this program, but uh Quiddy Pay's draft story was pretty cool. Absolutely. Um you guys anything else you guys have from the draft before we move on? Anything you wanted to add? No, you know, I think a lot of Ohio State players
1: ended up in really good spots. You mentioned Pete Werner going in the second round. He was a late riser. I think he's got a good opportunity there in New Orleans. I think you guys both mentioned Tommy Togiai, tons of opportunity there in Cleveland. He probably slid a little bit further. So my overall impression of where Ohio State guys ended up, some of them may have slid further than we thought. And a guy like Sermon that I mentioned, maybe he doesn't have that concrete opportunity. But overall, I think a lot of guys ended up in good spots. And I think we're going to see a lot of really good performances from this draft class.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think guys really did land in great spots. And, you know, if you told someone a year ago that in this draft class the number two Ohio State player to go was going to be Pete Warner, I think people probably would have disagreed with you. But uh, you're right, he was a late riser. And, there was, you know, it's interesting to look at last year because I'm not sure it helped any Ohio State players. Jonathan Cooper going seventh round, Sean Wade going fifth round. Justin Fields, you know, last year he was basically set to go number two. All he did was throw for 2,100 yards, 22 touchdowns, six picks complete 70% of his passes and that somehow dropped him to 11. Um, So I don't really, you know, that's something that I don't think we'll ever quite understand, but um, it's interesting to look at kind of maybe where some of these guys would have went if last season didn't happen. Um, But, you know, I I am glad last season happened. It got a great win over Clemson and whatnot. And I'm sure none of these guys have any regrets, but it is interesting to look at.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting point that I hadn't really thought of the fact that Ohio state played a season, where they went to the national championship and somehow not a single guy like improved their draft stock. It was only hurt. That's a very, that's something that could only happen at a place like Ohio state where, you know, it's just life in the big city that you you pay the price of being at the big schools and everything you do is under scrutiny. But that is a good point that I hadn't really thought of. Like there isn't, I, I don't think there's a, maybe Pete Werner, I guess, but, but I don't think anybody improved their draft, certainly not on the defensive side of the ball besides Pete Werner. Like, I don't think anybody really improved their draft stock at all, even though you like nobody on like Sean Wade obviously had a tough year, but other than that, like none of these guys that fell really did anything that stood out to like drop them in the rankings. So it is, it is odd to look at and, you know, it's just the, the price you pay at playing in one of these premier schools. Every game you play is on national TV. Every little mistake you make is going to be put under a microscope and then, you know, either way they're, they're going to make their money and they'll prove themselves in the NFL if they're, you know, the players that we think they are. So I have no concerns there. The other big news of the week, which only broke on Monday when we we're recording this, is that Jamison Williams, former Ohio State receiver, is transferring to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, Jamison Williams' transfer didn't come as a huge shock with the players that Ohio State has in that room. Uh, he was set up to... Have decreased playing time this year with likely Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba as the team's top three, and then a bunch of young guys coming in behind them with a bunch of promise. So he was he wasn't going to be the third guy in the room like he was last year next to Olave and Wilson. So his transfer wasn't really very surprising, but the destination is a bit surprising. Josh, what do you think of Williams ending up at Alabama? I was
1: surprised that he went to Alabama. Like you said, it's not a surprise that he sought an opportunity elsewhere. When I think of the success that recent Alabama wide receivers have had, I kind of get his thinking as far as where he wanted to go as his next school. But if you look at those guys again, they have a a distinct, not a distinct skill set. I'm sorry. They can do a little bit of everything. Whereas Jamison Williams, at least in his time at Ohio state was a deep ball guy. It was run down the field as fast as you can, and we're going to throw it long. So I don't know that he has, the skill set that those other guys have and that have had success there at Alabama, unless you maybe look at like a Henry Ruggs, that would be my comp, but he's taller and he's slimmer. He doesn't have the same build as Henry Ruggs. So I was surprised to see him go to a wide receiver factory when he has not proven a whole lot here at Ohio state. I think he's got a ton of talent. I think he needs reps and he needs to be developed, but I would have expected him to maybe go to a school where they're not known for being that factory, and there's not that expectation there because I think that there's going to be a learning curve there for him, and it's going to take some time for him to develop into what he probably wants to be.
2: Yeah, it was, it was funny watching the spring game because as excited as I was with this wide receiver room, uh, about halfway through, I looked at a friend of mine and I was like, "Yeah, Jameson Williams is gone. Uh, there's just there's just really no place for him right now on this team." I'm it, you know, and I hate to say it like that because I do like him and I think he's a talent. Um, and you know, going to Alabama, um, I mean, they did lose Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, and Waddle was kind of that guy for them. So, you know, their best receiver coming back is probably John Mechie. Um, I know they're really high on Javon Baker, who's a sophomore. So, um, you know, it's 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 a good, you know, it's a good fit, obviously. It's Alabama, you know, Bryce Young is going to be a great star there, quarterback. So I'm sure he will be able to get the ball to him. Um, I thought for sure he was headed to the Big 12. You know, in Oklahoma, Baylor, somebody that just airs the ball out uh, because that's where he succeeds the most. But, you know, he did come on kind of late uh, in the year for Ohio State. He had a great game against Clemson, obviously. So, um, you know, as long as he's on a team that can get him the ball and has a quarterback with an arm, which they definitely do, you know, he'll have his successes. Um, I just don't think that he's going to it's, it's kind of it's kind of in, in, in the Tate Martell realm where I understand why he transferred, but I don't really understand why he went where he went because there's still a lot of competition. You know, when Tate Martell transferred to Miami, I was like, he's not going to play. Um, and kind of with this kind of same thing with Williams is he might still end up being the same receiver on their depth chart that he is at Ohio State, um, unless, you know, he knows something we don't. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of where he goes, especially early in the year where they start playing, where Alabama wins those games, 66 nothing, and whatnot, um, where he is on that depth chart when it comes to to uh, their receiver room as well.
0: Man, Jamison Williams would have looked good in that Oklahoma Big 12 offense, just going deep for those balls against defenses that don't even look like they're playing on the same field. Uh, Yeah, I agree with both of what you said. You know, Jameson Williams is a really good player and he probably would have had, you know, another fine season at Ohio State had he stuck around, but the room is just so deep. And I think Jameson Williams is a perfect example of a player that would have excelled in Urban Meyer's offense more than Ryan Days, where Ohio State used to throw a lot more, you know, short screens, kind of Paris Campbell-esque, get the ball to your players with speed and get them out in space and let them make their own plays. And now that... Ryan Day is in charge. It's more of a pro style offense. You know, you got quarterbacks throwing the ball down the field. You need to be able to make these jump balls, make these plays. You know, uh, run crisp routes. And I think James Williams is more just a four 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 three speed guy. Just go out there, run your route, go beat the corner. I don't know if he's a very like technically sound, you know, route runner. He's not a bad route runner, but it's you know, I don't know if that's the the highlight of his game. And like you got, like you said too, Justin, they have Alabama did lose, you know, Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith, but I imagine, you know, I'm not super well versed in the. Alabama wide receiver room, but outside of John Mechie you know, I think they probably still have a few decent guys. They just went to the national championship. I'm sure they're recruiting five star receivers just like Ohio State. And while they might not have, you know, the next three classes number one overall wide receiver prospect like Brian Hartline's brought to Columbus, there's still probably some pretty damn good guys on that roster to compete with. So, like you said, I don't know if he's gonna, you know, be a starter from day one, but hopefully has a good career. We are wishing the best for him. Uh, I don't have any ill will against him or anybody that decides to transfer to a place where they're actually going to play, especially if you're a guy that you know was playing and is now seeing their spot taken by all these uh, young wide receivers.
1: Yeah. I think we're probably all in agreement that you can't really hold it against Jamison Williams. He did the right things here. He seemed to be a good teammate, seemed to be very involved, very active with the rest of the team and, and enjoying what he did. So he obviously just saw this as the best opportunity for him. He saw it as a business business decision point blank. So yeah, I think we're like I said, we're all on the same page. I think we want to see the best for him.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then you know, on that same vein, you know, Ohio State, you know, the wide receivers that are coming in to replace him, on, on top of you know the Olave's and the Wilsons and the uh, the Jackson Smith and Jigbas on the team, you still have you know the number one wide receiver from last year's recruiting class, Julian Fleming you have these freshmen that are making a big name for themselves both in camp and in the spring game with Emeka Buka and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. who's really been, you know, coming on strong here late in camp and I'm sure he'll gonna he's gonna put on a show once preseason camp starts in the uh, the summer. So is there any of those guys you're specifically looking forward to to seeing next season, Justin, as you know, we get closer to, you know, putting a depth chart together for next year?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the easy answer is Olave and Wilson um, just because, you know, I think Olave is one of, I think both of them are two of the best receivers in the country, but, I'm so excited to see Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, he made some incredible plays last year. It kind of was a little bit reminiscent of when Wilson was a freshman and he just made a couple of plays. You're like, man, he's going to be really good one day. And, um, you know, Jigba's probably the third receiver on that in that room. So um, he's going to get his opportunities. You know, they're going to throw the ball, obviously. They're going to air it out no matter who the quarterback is. Um, so it, he's going. I think he's going to have a fantastic year while guys are – I mean, defenses are going to have to try to zero in on Lave or Wilson or somebody. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to have those kind of games where he has maybe eight catches, a hundred yards and a touchdown. And, um, and he's, he just looked fantastic his freshman season.
1: Yeah. You know, for, for me, my answer is no answer. I am excited to see each and every one of them to be completely honest with you. I think they're all so talented. They've got some varied skill sets and they've all got the pedigree. And now a lot of them have experience too, and they're going to see the field. So I'm excited to see each and every one of them. If I had to pick one, I think it's probably kind of a cop-out on my part, but I think Garrett Wilson is going to be transcendent. I think that he he may not overtake Olave, but he's at least 1B, and he may very well overtake Olave as far as uh, moving up draft boards and things like that heading into the 2022 draft. I think that he is going to be a bona fide superstar, so I'm excited to see his growth as well as all the other guys in that room
0: yep i can't help but agree with both of you and i'm sure we'll have you know plenty of spare time this off to talk about how good ohio state's wide receivers are for this week i think that's going to be our show uh, i appreciate you all for tuning in as always we're going to be coming at you every wednesday with a new episode in the off season we'll have a you know, a bunch of different topics planned. Keep you all up to date on the latest Ohio State happenings, both you know, football, basketball, recruiting, whatever's going on that week. We'll be sure to bring it to you. So for Josh Dooley and Justin Golba, I am Gene Ross. Thank you for tuning in to Hang Out in the Holy Land, and we will see you next week.